Hello, and welcome to Chosen by Committee, the podcast where myself, Josh Heron, John Rosenberg, and Christopher Munden read through every Pulitzer Prize winning play since 1918, so you don't have to, or so perhaps you'll join along. This week, we are going to be discussing the 1934 medical medical melodrama, Men in White. Uh, But first, let's introduce ourselves. My name is Josh Heron. I am a third grade teacher, theater lover, dog walker, uh, pizza fan, (laughs) natural wine um, enthusiast. Uh, And we are joined by the... um, (laughs) By the ever regal, um, (laughs) dashing in blue, uh, Christopher Munden. Hello. And uh, America's favorite papa, John Rosenberg. (laughs) Good evening. Um, So uh, to begin, we're going to talk about um, a play that... uh, I was introduced, well, I mean, we, I was introduced to this podcast, but the first thing I heard about it was an enthusiastic text last week from John Rosenberg that read something like, I fucking love this play. <laughs> um, um, so we have one fan of it. Um, and I think it turns out we all pretty much uh, liked it quite a bit to varying degrees. Um, I think John, yeah. you really leading the charge of enthusiasm here though. Um, John, do you want to give a quick summary? It's, uh, I was trying to do that today actually to a friend and it's sort of hard, I found. Um, I think it's kind of the story of, it's a snapshot of uh, life in a hospital. And I think uh, what the play captures is the cycles of doctors uh, coming to be who they are as doctors. And it follows the story of a young doctor um, who is in love and having to make a decision about his future. And uh, a number of things happen in it. Uh, and by the end, he makes a decision that leads him down a path. <laughs> that was nice and vague. <laughs> <laughs> right, no, it, it's funny that you said it. it's hard to explain to a friend because I feel like it is. And yeah, George I, I, Ferguson, Dr. Ferguson is a young doctor, right? Yeah. He's in love with Laura. Mm-hmm. Who's an heir um, to uh, a good amount of money. Um, whose father is a donor to the hospital too. And um, he's mentored by Dr. Hockberg, Hockey. Yeah. Who wants him to come do research with him after he's completed his studies in Vienna, where he's gonna go with Laura. He doesn't get to spend too much time with Laura because he's real busy in the hospital and he, he gets one free night, but instead of spending it with Laura, she's already made other plans. He has a one night stand with a young nurse who uh, gets pregnant and has an abortion go wrong. Laura's in the hospital to see what George does and she comes in <laughs> to the surgery and Mrs. Denon, what was her, Miss Denon, what's her first name? I forget. Barbara yeah. uh, says something implicating that, that it's George's baby and Laura gets upset. 
George thinks he's going to have to marry Barbara instead. She dies. <laughs> they, they still don't get, but he still separates from Laura at the end. I thought that it's a three act play. It has three. I like the endings of all three acts. Uh, Josh, you said offline, you like the second act. The first act is when he hooks up with Barbara. The second act is when Laura sees that he's had the affair and leaves the surgery room. And the third act is that like conversation between George and Laura. And in the end, it's almost like I'll see you around. Maybe things will work out one day. They're all really well done, I thought. Yeah, I mean, I, I'm going to steal uh, John's line here, but this thing was written clean. Like, um, um, I think that, like, characters are introduced very, like, smartly, very naturally, but uh, you're given a, a sense, I think, very quickly of the world. Um, the, the place of the hospital, I think, is really well established. Um, the stakes are very clear. Uh, characters who have sort of like pretty large effects are like sometimes brought in and out, but they don't feel like they feel richly drawn. I think that's also partly due to, um, he has some very, very like lovely textured stage directions um, with some background about the characters. that I don't think the audience necessarily like get, but I, I think would inform performances. I'm thinking about the, there's one about Dr. Cunningham, who's sort of this like uh, old, happens to be successful doctor, but who's never really been that invested in the science of medicine. Yeah, his description of him is brilliant, isn't it? Yeah. When he first brings him on stage, that wouldn't be available to the audience unless it was depicted well by an actor. But yeah. I was really struck by that. One of the things I really liked about this, and there's a lot of stuff to like, um, I mean, I, I loved the melodrama of it. Like I was describing it to a friend of mine who is not necessarily super in theater and hasn't listened to the podcast yet, but I was telling her sort of about the story and she's married to a doctor and she was like, ooh, I'm going to listen to the podcast. Like <laughs> it's a really like juicy plot. Um, it draws some medical profession of that time really well, I think. I mean, it feels like, in the introduction, he said he spent a bunch of time in hospitals uh, researching it, but you get a feel for like how medicine is practiced in the hospital at that time. I hope that I, it felt accurate whether or not it was. Well, and I think especially in the specificity of the time, it also really nailed sort of the the generational bridge that some of these older doctors were were like living in. Right, it's or an like, interesting time because it's pre-penicillin that doesn't come about till World War II or isn't used till World War II. But they they know all about like sterilization and infection, mm -hmm. so that is really important. They just can't really do anything if an infection happens. They have anesthesia. They have surgery. You know, it's mm -hmm. really like so. Some of these older doctors, like I we've been there since like the birth of surgery right really the like uh the birth of modern medicine and are now handing it over to a new generation that hasn't watched it sort of grow but are now taking what has happened and sort of running with it um and i think it's very interesting the like 
the hubris of the older generation of like, well, it's been born now, like what's going to happen? Like these guys aren't going to be able to do anything, which I think from uh, 2020, the perspective of like just the astronomical leaps of <laughs> medical and scientific advances since the 1930s, um, growing at sort of an exponential pace. Um, it's interesting that there was a moment where they sort of thought they were maybe near done. Right. We have this figured out. When I think mm. now it feels like we know we're not like, you know, maybe we almost have too much faith in how much farther this will go. Like, perhaps so. And a famous, I have one of the, the medical schools in Philadelphia that like the guy apparently gives the same speech every year, which is something like, you know, uh, a third of what we teach you is a third of what we teach you isn't true. We just don't know which third. <laughs> like they have a sense that they will keep improving on the knowledge. Right. Without being like deliberately like an examination of the hospital. Like I think it's sort of tightly a story. It has like follows a pretty like clean narrative arc. Um, is like, it covers a lot of stuff. It covers a, like the grueling pace of like what it takes to train to be a doctor and how unforgiving that is. Um, that's something that I know still to be true. Uh, I think it talks about hospitals as, you know, engines for civic good and, and societal good, but also um, businesses. Uh, the idea that I thought it was like really smart how all that stuff got put out for the audience to see. Yeah, they even have a discussion on uh, the dangers of, uh, of socialized medicine. But it, yeah, I think it is interesting that there is a thread that runs through it, which is what's going to happen with this young doctor and everything that's kind of tied to him. It's not like uh, it's not like a street scene where it's like the the chaos of everything happening at the same time. It's yeah. like he did a the author did a really good job of tying everything to the the dude and his girlfriend and her father and. Yeah, it was done really, really well. I think one of the I think one of the things I enjoyed about it was like there was a, with the former doctor that showed up that wasn't doing as well, and he was worried about his wife, and he brought like the test results. Mm, was, yeah, and I thought what was interesting about it was that to me is where the psych the cyclical thing came in, where like this young dude once had the opportunity to become something else, but he chose love over medicine. And look what happened to him. Um, yeah, it's a preview of what could happen to George. Sure. Yeah, I, I think how I couldn't imagine trying to like tell a, a hospital story or something like that. And I, I feel like the author did a really great job of doing it through, like I don't, I don't know the right term for it, but like like the 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 human cost of this young doctor, like the effects of the job on him, the choices he made, and the choices that he ended up having to make. Yeah, it's an incredibly well-crafted play. It really is. Yeah, it's super, it's super good. And all of the, I think I said this, but I think all of the characters are well-drawn. Um, I would say, I mean, you said last week it wasn't a character play. I guess this is more so I, I don't know that I super got a it, it what what compelled me wasn't necessarily the 
the strength of the characters, but the the kind of the melodrama, the tragedy, the the craft, the plot. Oh, it's yeah, we, it, it's not a character study by any means. It's only a plot-driven play. But I, I think that um, it's actually really, I think comparing the last two weeks is really interesting because I think you get, I think even like the other doctors, like who are sort of like the other medical students who are not as like clearly as good as like this one, like they're, they're drawn, I think they're drawn more realistically than like For sure. the senator. doesn't. He doesn't take a lot of effort to draw some of the characters very well. He does it like quickly, and and you get a you get a feel for them. Um, yeah. And, um, what did you think of the dialogue, John? I thought the I thought the dialogue was cool. I don't. It wasn't like the make or break for me. I no. felt like the what what really made it for me was like what was at stake because i think at first i was like what the fuck is this like kind of the opening kind of like talking about the doctor's stuff and then when the the main young doctor came in i was like okay it's about this dude but i didn't think it was going to go this way i didn't realize it was a play where we get to watch him succumb to pressure of being a doctor and to see him in like a very human moment with the nurse that was so well done. Yeah. Right. Yeah, it was beautiful that it caught me. I didn't, at first when I read it, I didn't realize, I was like, when he's like, oh, I'm just going to go check something real quick. And I was like, wait a minute. Oh, shit. He's going to come back and she's staying in there. Like, yeah. It reminded I mean, me. Of, oh, go ahead. No, I was just going to say, she, she's not, she doesn't get a lot of time, the nurse. And her death is, is somewhat, you know, neat. But, but like, and I feel like that affair could seem really throwaway and really like rushed and, and unnatural, but it doesn't in his hands. It some, somehow feels like it all fits, it all, it all works. And it's really, to make that happen, was impressive to me. Well, I think also the empathy with which the characters treat her, right? So, like, there's such an, like, I think there's a, an awareness around how this decision is going to, like, wreak havoc on Barbara, the nurse's life, right? Um, yeah. It really clear that she's not going to get another job. She's not going to be able to have children because they removed her uterus in the surgery and that he's sort of able to like keep going. His like life is not affected really. Uh, mm -hmm. And so he sort of like, you know, does this dramatic thing of he's gonna marry her and never, <laughs> and that, I mean, and that's, but, and I think that's like, I don't know if I care that much either way about that decision, but I think it does display an incredible tenderness um, and an incredible sense of the unfairness of that, right? Um, nobility yeah uh and i think i mean in this so this play got hasn't been revived really that much at all um which is a shame because it's i think really wonderful uh, and it's I, good i mean it is of its time in a way that the depictions of the medicine it's really interesting to me to like see it but it is a time capsule 
Right, but I mean, I think that's really, I think that's really neat, right? Um, in the way that, you know, when we were in Philadelphia and we visit like the Gross Clinic or the Agnew Clinic at the Museum of Art, like those are like amazing sort of time capsules of art capturing medicine. Um, if you don't know, uh, Thomas Eakins painted two great paintings of sort of famous surgical scenes. Um, both are in Philadelphia. Mm. Um, anyway. Uh, I do find it interesting that the, that the author, he seems so pumped for that. We get to watch the doctors prepare for surgery. He was he so, yeah. And I feel like he felt like this is the cutting edge of everything. And to me, mm -hmm. it was like, I didn't, like it, it was completely irrelevant to me. Or I mean, I guess it would be neat to watch on stage, but like watching the human cost that he draws out of the story was fascinating to me. What um, were you going to say it reminded you of? I mean, I think it reminded me a little bit of um, they knew what they wanted in a certain way, like just like what drives people. And then after a while, it did remind me of the, the Paul Newman movie, The Hustler, of like, just That's like... Cool. Yeah, but it's it's about like it's about like a, a dude coming to terms with what he wants and what he'll do in order to get it. Yeah, and I think it is fascinating at the end, right? Because the guy starts fucking up when he's with the with his girlfriend. You know, they're getting married. He like misses out on some of the things that that Doctor Hotchberg wants him to do. Um, but yeah, it's like we get to see a man who becomes completely dedicated to medicine at the end of me. Yeah. And I found it to be, I thought the ending was very satisfying. Yeah. Like, I was like, I mean, it was, maybe that's shitty that like the, that Barbara character gets to be the sacrificial lamb for this. Right. It'd be satisfying. And, you know, I, I guess I, I could say that the way the play treats, well, it's empathetic about Barbara, the way it treats its women is not. Um, yeah. The, the last scene, I liked it, but the way Laura talked so like kind of disaffected, emotionless about it. I think that would take a strong actor to do um, that last scene of, of him. She's like, but you don't love her. You're going to marry her. Like, what about your career? Like still, I don't know. She's yeah, very I mean, adult about it. I think it could work, but it, I think it would take, take some doing a good actor there. The, um, what I was going to say is the, the thing that is famous is that, or this got turned into a movie, I think with Clark Gable. And it's, um, I think it's famous because it's pre-code. And so they have the abortion scene and I think it's, Whoa. It, yeah. Yeah. Um, um, sort of it treated abortion really interestingly. I mean, there's no, uh, antibiotics so if that goes wrong and she becomes infected or septic as they say she's gonna die and um and it shows you like what a legal abortion was like i mean it would have been nice to well, it's probably like a different play it would have been nice to get a little bit of her in her life in making that decision no, yeah, yeah maybe that's, uh, that's, a diff that's a different play like yeah, this play it's a is different so scene. yeah it's just consumed with what's going to happen to this dude and like um, 
almost like her being us really not knowing it to, he doesn't know her either do you know what i mean and it's like i appreciate that she's almost fodder in a sense so i did as research so i listened last week and i talked about like west wing and er I was like, I don't really know what I'm talking about or about like <laughs> 1930s politics. Like, <laughs> but so this week, I watched an episode of ER. Whoa! An episode of Grey's Anatomy. Oh my gosh! And an episode of um, House. All great shows. Mm. Were they? <laughs> they, this they, is so much better than that. Do they feel like for this though? Um, I could see a lot of the same, uh, a lot of things. Um, so three, two of the three TV shows in this one have like one of the patients is a rich donor to the hospital, and I just like pick the shows uh, episodes at random, and and yeah, so that like the money part of it. Um, the infidelity within the hospital that is there, the like, um, the signals of, um, you know, placing it in medicine of its time was interesting that some of them have like the attention to detail. Um, this was just so much better. The ER was the best of those three, but this was better than, better than that by a mile. Man, I love it. Give me a good episode of House any day. I'm going to probably watch some right now after we stop recording this. <laughs> um, yeah, I preferred that to Grey's Anatomy. Um, Hugh Laurie is great. He was a, a comic actor, being an English comic actor off, opposite Stephen Fry. They had a sketch show, Laurie and Fry, or Fry and Laurie, maybe. What season of Grey's Anatomy? The, the current one, or the most recent one. Oh, come on! Is That's that not, not good? fair? Like season thirty-eight. <laughs> no, it what? was. It was like season thirty-eight. Yeah. Yeah, seasons like see, I watch seasons one through four. Maybe okay. Five, and those are real good. What season okay. of ER? See, that is a little unfair because the other two shows. It was the first episode. Oh, you watched the pilot. <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> I thought it would like develop the characters nicely, and ER it did. And, and so Meredith Grey doesn't get the benefit of that. Uh, well, misogyny, misogyny. <laughs> it was what's available on line three. Could have called me. I could have gotten you access to some early access. <laughs> um. What was my point here? Just that I know what I'm talking about now. Oh, I think that his legacy runs large, though. I was going to talk about that. Too. Yeah. It does, this does feel like a prototype of a hospital drama. Uh, it does. It is. And I don't know. Like, I can't think of any. I mean, I guess there's General Hospital. Um, but, like, it's such a rich set. I mean, clearly, like, it's such a rich setting for human drama, right? The stakes are just always. Life and death. Yeah. <laughs> uh, is there anything we didn't like about it? And no. I've said the way it kind of threw away Barbara's life. The, the, the dialogue of Laura to the end. The dialogue 
in all, um, you know, it's not beautiful literature. <laughs> it, um, and it's not a character play, it's a plot play. But yeah, I, I mean, I, I enjoyed this play. I would like to see it. I'd like to see it. I'd like to see it done well, I think. I mean, I read this in one sitting, which I think is the first play I've really liked. Maybe behind it, Beyond the Horizons. Um, so is it, John, is this your favorite we've read so far? Yeah, I think so. Yeah, I think this is number one, definitely. Well, let's revisit that. I think this is up there. I think letting everything sort of the dust settle, I think street scene. Oh yeah, I forgot about that, yeah. My favorite right now. That was a good play, yeah. yeah. I mean, maybe it's easier to do it like by decade because comparing it to something read like three months ago is tough, but. You know, one thing, one thing I did want to say is, I did what you're saying that it is a, a plot play, it's plot driven, but it's crazy to me that it's plot driven to create a character in a way or to like leave the doctor is who he's going to be in a sense. And yeah, it's, it's beautifully tragic plot, or, but not even just tragic. Um, it, it's a plot that makes you feel. Yeah, it makes man. you feel yeah, for the people. Man. Yeah, that's great. That should kill me. Yeah. Um, who would you be if you were in this play? I would be the doctor that goes to get the roast beef sandwich and sees the hot nurse. <laughs> mm. And I imagine that with like the like cartoon wolf eyes. Going yeah, like, he's the one. Who wow, wow. Hello, nurse. <laughs> I mean, I guess we're supposed to sympathize with George, but I don't know if that's a case. I don't think we're supposed to sympathize. I think we're supposed to watch him. Watch be, him, yeah. Be, uh, what's, what, what am I looking for? Like, uh, we're watching a surgery of him. Like, in the same way that, like, like people get to watch an operating room, we're watching him be operated on by either fate or hubris or whatever you want to call it. I don't think we're supposed to, like, because, right, like, his lady friend, she's basically a heartbeat. You know what I mean? She's not really given... Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? She's like unreasonable. It's like, why can't we spend more time together or whatever? And it's it's like, not really. And I didn't think anything she said was really unreasonable. Well, you know what? That's because you're a good man. Oh. Um, and she handles his like infidelity very, very well. And <laughs> she still cares about him. And, and, even at the end, and no, it's, I feel for her. Hell yeah, man. So next week, we read The Old Maid by Zoe Aiken, which is an adaptation of an Edith Wharton book, which I've not read. I love Edith Wharton. I haven't read that one either. I predict, I don't remember what our predictions were. I think I predicted something about it being like Men in Black, but wrong. Um, I said it would be an episode of ER 
and that there would be a George Clooney character, which maybe George Ferguson is because if, if Clark yeah. Gable was cast as him, then is George was was George Clooney the Clark Gable at the time? I think you should watch more episodes of ER and let us know the conclusion. <laughs> yeah, should this transition to an ER rewatch podcast? <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah. He wasn't I, really the star of it. It was weird. I, well, yeah. I think yeah. Old Maid, I think she's going to be young. Mm. Hmm. And it's going to be so it's, she's gonna be worried about being an old maid. Huh. I like it. I like it. Um, I don't know if I can beat that. I I definitely pictured an old lady. Um, like looking back on her life and right. and maybe something coming from the past. Huh. Oh, I think it was the card game. Okay, so maybe they're just gonna be playing the card game. <laughs> Edith Wharton is great of that at that like that youth that oh that potential that goes wrong. Yeah, I've never so, read any Edith Wharton, but I just recently Oh she's brilliant. Well I recently watched the Martin Scorsese Age of Innocence movie. Whew. That's a great book. Great book. And the movie is insanely good. Um, um. All right. Uh, <laughs> he doesn't like movies. <laughs> Yeah. Hey, shitty taste. All right. Uh, <laughs> well, until next week, um, we'll see you when we talk. Well, we won't see you. We'll, you'll hear us when we're talking about Zoe Aiken's uh, adaptation of Edith Wharton's Old Maid. Until then, let's uh, say goodnight, folks. Good night, folks. Good night. Good night.